0: Well, welcome to uh, Church at Arkansas. We're glad you're here. Um, anybody visiting in town for Thanksgiving? Nobody? One? Um, where, where are you guys from? Ohio. We had somebody in first service from Florida, so Ohio's still far away. Um, I love this time of year, my favorite time of year. It started, probably starts in those few days before Thanksgiving, and then it leads up to Christmas. I just, I've always loved this time of year. I love um I love anticipating Christmas, and I love going to get our Christmas tree, which we did yesterday. We, uh, our first few years here, we couldn't find a place to cut one down, so we found a Christmas tree farm last year, and so this was our second year to go to that one. And We, we started to get it decorated. I forgot to buy the lights. I went to Walmart and bought all this stuff, all these lights and everything, and then I think, I don't know if you texted me or something said, where are the lights for the tree? So we'll get that done today. But I just, I love anticipating everything that comes with this time of year. And I love, I love breakfast at this time of year. Like today I had pumpkin pie for breakfast. And you can't do that any other time of year where you just have pie for breakfast. I love pie. And it was pumpkin pie. Like I, last night I cut a chunk of pecan pie. It was so big. I couldn't see, that's how I justify it in my mind. I wouldn't have pecan pie for breakfast. There's just too much sugar in that as if there's not a lot of sugar in the pumpkin pie. But uh, I don't know, just this whole time of year, I just love it. I know for some of us though, that, that's not the case. I mean, there's, like, it wasn't, wasn't that way with my grandmother. Just kind of some sadness came with this time of year, just people she'd lost and like her husband. and uh, you know, So I know for not everyone, this is, a, this is a good time of year. Some of us are just stressful. You know, we take a lot on, and every year we tell ourselves we won't do that again, but we do it, and, and so there's busyness and there's stress, and 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 then sometimes we just start to feel anxious, and and um, that's some of what I want to talk about today. Is as you came in here this morning, what what was the state of your mind? What were you thinking about? My guess is it wasn't worship. Probably other concerns, other things that are on your mind. Um, I know that happens to me often. I I, I get all these things going on and things I'm thinking about. I'm a really internal person by nature. I'm an introvert. I could spend almost all day just by myself, and and so there's a lot going on in here all the time. In fact, I mean, who who do you listen to most in the course of a week? Who who do you who do you talk to the most? I would say, I know, it, I know who it is for me. I, I think I know who it is for you. It's you. And for me, it's me. We talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else. There's always that, that running narrative going on in our heads. We're telling ourselves a story. And then and our lives kind of play it out. Some, sometimes we're telling ourselves good things, but I would say often you know, we're, we're, reflecting on things that aren't so good. And we're, we're telling ourselves either things that were told to us in our past, or, you know, maybe we're dwelling on a failure, some disappointment, but we've all got that internal narrative going on. We're all talking to ourselves all the time, even if you're not aware of it. I was down in, uh, Little Rock on, North Little Rock on Friday night for the Fayetteville-North um, Little Rock semifinal game. And uh, it was the second best high school game I've ever seen. Only, only better game was the state finals last year, Fayetteville against Bentonville down in Little Rock. And uh, that's who they'll play again uh, next Saturday night. But um, I was sending some texts to Jonathan throughout the course of the game just keeping him updated. And, and, and here's how it went. At the end of the third quarter, it was 21 to six, Fayetteville's beating North Little Rock. And North Little Rock, I mean, they're a good team. They, uh, they already have one running back who's already committed to Alabama. So, I mean, they're, they're a strong football team. So four minutes later, four minutes into the fourth quarter, it's now 24 to 14. Fayetteville's still ahead. So we've kicked a field goal. They've scored a touchdown, gotten two points. Minute and a half later, it's 27 14. So Fayetteville's kicked another field goal, 32 yarder. A minute later, North Little Rock scores, makes the score 27 20. Then, with 304 left, North Little Rock has the ball on our two yard line. Third and goal. Loss of nine, fourth down. On fourth down, they throw a screen, and they're stopped at the six-yard line. So Fayetteville gets the ball back, 2.13 left in the game, leading 27 to 20. 2.13 to go. Then with 2.06 left, it's now second and 11. They lost one yard. Now it's third down, third and 15 from the one. Throw an incomplete pass. Now it's fourth down. Fayetteville's going to punt from their own end zone. North Little Rock returns the ball to the 16. Minute four left. Fayetteville still ahead, 27-20. Complete pass to the 11. And then they run a hook and lateral for a touchdown. It's now 27-26. 26 with 32 seconds left in the game. North Little Rock lines up to kick the extra point, and they fake it, go for two, and they get it. Now they're ahead, 28-27, with less than half of a minute left. We get the ball, receive the kick, get the ball out to the 40-43. Throw a pass, get to their 45, 21 seconds left. Complete another pass to their 20, 11 seconds left. And we line up to kick a field goal, 37, 38 yards, it's good. Win the game 30-28. But here's, here's why I share that, and here, here's what, what got me thinking about that. Austin Allen's been the quarterback for two years for Fayetteville. He's already committed to go to Arkansas. What do you think was going through his mind when Fayetteville's now down 28-27 with half a minute left in the game, you're about to receive the kickoff, and you have no timeouts left? I, I, I haven't talked to him about it, but my guess is what's going through his head is, I can do this. We got this. I've done this before. We've come from behind. It doesn't matter that we don't have any timeouts. If I complete two passes, we'll get out of bounds, we'll kick a field goal. Now, I don't know for sure that's what he was thinking, but I have a feeling the story he tells himself is we can do this. I can do this. I can win. I can complete the passes we need to complete. We can move this down the field. Now, that doesn't mean if you just have positive thoughts, your life is gonna go well and you're gonna be a winner. But I'll bet more often than not, if you're telling yourself that you're gonna lose, you'll lose. If you don't think you can, you probably won't be able to. The story you're telling yourself really matters. Your thoughts will produce your feelings and your actions. Thoughts are critical. That's why if you came in this morning, I, I know this happens to me, I'll, I'll have this vague sense of anxiety, not, not to where I'm debilitated, but just there's something, as I'm going about my day, there's something hanging over me, something's not right. And if I stop and trace it back a little bit, I can identify the thought that caused that feeling. Like right now, if I told you to feel angry, you couldn't do it unless you started to think about something that makes you angry. If I said, feel worried, you'd have to start thinking about something that makes you feel worried. Your thoughts lead to your feelings and then to your actions. And so for some of us, we came in this morning, there's just that sense of anxiety or fear or worry But is that supposed to be, as a follower of Christ, is that supposed to be the normal state of your mind? Is that just how it's supposed to be? Is that what we've just got to struggle with and deal with? I mean, I I struggle with worry. I hate that I do. In fact, I made a list, uh, I think yesterday, of the things I worry about. I worry about my children's happiness. I worry about my son-in-law being stationed here. Like I want him to be stationed here. He's a Marine, he's about to go to recruiter school. He could be stationed anywhere in the country. So I kind of just, you know, I really want that to happen and kind of worry or or, or I feel, you know, sad or anxious that maybe he won't be and then my daughter will have to move away and so I, I worry about that. I worry about my health, I worry about getting older. I worry about the fiscal cliff. Anybody worrying about the fiscal? I mean, we never heard about the fiscal cliff until November 7th. The day after the election, the only thing that was in the news was the fiscal cliff. The national debt. I worry about all the monkey business in Washington, D.C. Eating healthy, like having pie this morning. Um, I worry about Google. Google knows everything about me. I know they do. And my phone... Like, I love all the, like the location features and all that stuff that you can turn on or off. You turn it off so, like, they don't know where I am. Well, then, you know, you don't get to enjoy all the cool features of your iPhone. So Apple and Google together, they know everything about me. They know what I'm thinking about. They know where I live. They know where I am right now. And the Senate bill. I worry about the Senate bill. Did you hear about this one? If this passes... It gives 22 government agencies access to all of your online records without a search warrant and without your knowledge. How about everything you've ever done online, 22 government agencies can say, I want to take a look at that. I don't have to have a search warrant for that. Senate just needs to pass the bill. Worry about losing my computer files. I worry about that noise my car is making now. I worry sometimes about the church budget, or hackers, who's hacking into my computer, or crime, or the economy. I worry about the emails, the texts, the Facebook messages, and the voicemails I haven't returned. And like once they get down below the screen and I can't see them anymore and I start to forget about them, like I worry what's down underneath there that I can't see anymore. Or the war in Afghanistan or the war now in Syria slash Egypt slash Gaza, Israel, I am like really resistant to the whole idea of Black Friday, but I worry I didn't get a good deal. Like I didn't go. I'm not going to go shopping on Thanksgiving. I'm not going to go shopping the next day. I went to Walmart yesterday to buy lights and Christmas stuff and milk, but I didn't go out looking for deals. So like, did I really miss out on a deal? Like other people got a deal. I didn't get a deal. I worry about yesterday and I worry about tomorrow. I worry about not having enough retirement savings. What about you? What what worries you or makes you feel anxious or a little fearful? And, And is it just something we've got to learn to live with? Fortunately, God has something to say about it. And, and if you have your Bible, turn, turn to Isaiah 26. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you can use your iPhone, and then everyone will know where you are. Or you can just look at the screen, and no one will know where you are. Um, Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 records for us. I I love this. Here's this ancient writing about a song that will be sung in the future, that we'll be a part of. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah, where we'll live someday, where New Jerusalem will be. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. And then verse three. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. When is the last time you use steadfast in a conversation? This doesn't happen, right? I mean, we... That's the unfortunate thing sometimes about reading, you know, the the Bible in an English translation several thousand years after it was written in a Hebrew culture, you know, Middle Eastern culture. We just miss miss a lot of the the nuances and, and, and the culture, understanding the culture that came with this. But steadfast, I mean, just simply means to lean on or to rest upon. You will keep, speaking of God, God, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind leans on you, rests upon you. It's an active word. It's not, here's what doesn't work. I think we all know this. It doesn't work, just put this up on the shelf. I kind of know what's in it. I know God, the Jesus I know all that, but I leave this on the shelf and then I'm supposed to still experience peace. It doesn't work. You know it doesn't work. We lean on him. We rest on him. He supports us then. Because he trusts in you. If, do you want peace? I do. You want, do you want your mind to be free from those anxious thoughts and, and those worries and that fear? Then we lean on him. We rest on him. We trust in him. It's all active. It's all being engaged with him. I mean, the Christian life, yes, it's about experiencing God and, and serving him coming here and worshiping, but it all begins with your thoughts. It begins in your mind, in mine. I've got, I have got to think correctly about myself, this life, and about God, most importantly about God. Some of you have heard me mention a friend of mine, he lives in another state, and he he recently has just kind of tossed his faith out. It's been about a Oh, probably a year-long process, more acutely, probably in the last six months, and then even in these last couple of months. I mean, he recently sent me a 60-page document that kind of outlines his whole—actually, it's not an outline. It's pretty detailed. It's a detailed deconstruction of his faith, why he no longer believes, not only in Jesus, but—I think he still believes there's a God, but he's just, you know, barely— and I asked him about a week ago, I said, where did, where did, where did the tipping point come? Where, where for you did it just, it, it really just didn't work anymore he's decided this isn't real for me? And he shared a couple things and then he said, he shared some disappointments about how God hadn't worked in his marriage. And he hadn't been married for very long and, and it just hasn't gone the way he thought it would. But what's interesting to me is I've asked him, well, tell me how you've grown in the last year. He listed off, I don't know, four or five things. And I said, well, that that sounds to me like you're becoming more Christ-like. What if you're now equipped to help your wife heal? What What if a year ago, 18 months ago, two years, whatever it was, that you weren't in a position to be able to love and care for her and serve her, and help her become the woman God has designed her to be. He doesn't see it. I see genuine change in his life. But because he has incorrectly concluded that God was not at work in his marriage the way he thought he should be, it's one of the things that has led him to just throw out his faith altogether. What's the problem there? He had an incorrect thought. He had an incorrect idea of how God should work. And when God didn't do it that way, he has felt like God let him down. I don't know if he'd say it that way, but looking from the outside in, that's what's happening. He's disappointed in God. God didn't do what he thought he should do, Therefore, I can't believe in a God like that. I can't believe in God. We're all in that kind of danger. If you have an incorrect view of God, it will set the whole course of your life in the wrong direction. If you have an incorrect view of how life should work, your whole life is off course then. You're... You're leaning and resting upon and trusting in something that is ultimately going to fail you. I got a phone call last night. Um, I hadn't talked to my stepbrother in quite a while. He lives in New Jersey where I grew up. And uh, he's seen some stuff, you know, I think more up close than maybe others because he's a New Jersey state trooper. And um, I don't know if you remember seeing this picture in the paper back on uh, October 31st. That picture, um, that's the town where I grew up. It's the picture where there was a bridge kind of coming across a bay and then it just ended in the water. I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone across there. But he said, when you come across the bridge, you come to Route 35, which runs north and south in New Jersey along, along the coast. Uh, the coast of New Jersey is, it is an island. It's a long, thin island. I guess it's maybe quarter-mile-wide, half-mile-wide at some points, and it's, I don't know, it's probably 40 miles long. That's where all the beach communities are. That's the place that got so devastated. But he said when you come across, it's the Maniloking Bridge. When you come across that bridge and then you would look north, there are 60 homes that are no longer there. They, They just can't even find them. And I wonder for some of us, we... We're leaning on something that it's it's, it's going to wash away. If we have an incorrect view of who God is, and it, again, it doesn't work—at least not for me—when this is just on the shelf for a week or two. If this is on the shelf and I'm just relying on what I used to know, or what I've thought was true or maybe what God used to do for me, it doesn't work. This is a fresh relationship every day. This is a growing dynamic relationship God wants with us. It's not a list of rules and, and principles and, and, and ideals that we kind of ascribe to and we say, well, I believe, I, believe, I believe the Bible, I believe it's the word of God, it's inspired, but we don't read it. Or we certainly don't live by it. We, we don't engage with it so that we know Christ better And then we experience peace. That word for peace in verse 3 is shalom. You've heard that, the Hebrew word shalom. It means uh, completeness, soundness, tranquility, contentment, quiet. Who doesn't want a mind like that? Where there's not this anxiety and this fear and this worry, and how am I going to figure this out? And I don't know how, what do they think of me? And how do I make this work? And what if God doesn't show up tomorrow? What about the fiscal cliff? But imagine a mind that's tranquil and content and sound and whole. It's possible. And here's what I love. That word for perfect there, it's shalom. See, that's where we missed the translation. Perfect peace is really shalom, shalom. God just doesn't offer peace. He offers peace, peace. Perfect peace. Our part is to have a steadfast mind, a mind that leans on him, rests on him, trusts in him. And to do that, I have to know him. I have to be in here so I even know what he's like. I can't, my biggest problem for many years was having this wrong view of how God should work. I thought that if I was a follower of Christ, well, then certainly God was gonna make life easier. But think about it, what he's promising here is peace no matter what the circumstances are. I want that. I mean, have you ever looked at somebody going through something really hard, and you think, I couldn't do that. I couldn't go through that. How are they so joyful? I don't know how many times I've talked to Jeff Parker, or gone and had lunch at Charlie's Chicken, and Him sharing his story, and I mean, if you don't know, he has stage four colon cancer. He's been battling it for eighteen months, really two years now. In fact, he goes well. He and Jamie and Benjamin are probably on the road right now to Houston. He has another scan on Monday. Tuesday, they kind of hang out in Houston. Wednesday morning, they find out what's going on with the spots in his lungs what's going on with the spot or the, the tumor on his liver again but when you sit there and talk to him jeff how you doing I'm doing good doing good this last round of chemo wasn't so bad i feel good losing my hair a little bit but you know i mean and he's genuine about it how can he be so genuinely joyful and peaceful going through stage four colon cancer or somebody going through bankruptcy or somebody going through some other hard situation? How can they go through that? How can they be so peaceful unless their mind is steadfast, unless they're, they're trusting, leaning on, resting on something that isn't going to wash away? Trust in the Lord. Verse 4, forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. One way to understand lofty city there, it's kind of this world system. The things we trust on. Think about it. For your peace, you can trust in really, well, you can trust in any number of things. But most of us, we either trust in our circumstances being good, and that can provide some measure of peace. The problem is, when the lofty city washes away, what are you left with? You have nothing left. But if, if you're resting on the rock eternal who doesn't wash away, no matter what you go through, there's peace, independent of your circumstances. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground, casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. The path of the righteous is level. O oh, upright one, you make the way of the righteous smooth. It doesn't mean life is always easy. But I would rather go through the good times and the bad times with the rock eternal, the one I can rest and lean upon. Verse eight, "Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of your hearts, of our hearts. What's the desire of your heart? We've talked about our minds. need to rest and lean upon him, but how about your desire? What do you really desire? Is it for God's name and his renown, his fame? Here's what I wonder. I wonder sometimes when we come in here and it's, it's time to worship, time to sing. Really all of life should be worship, right? But we come in here and we sing corporately. If you don't feel like there's really any good reason to sing maybe it's because your desire is for something other than god's name and renown maybe it's an, it's like the dashboard it's like the light on your dashboard the check engine light is on if if you can come in here and just kind of go through the motions not really engage singing worshiping then Maybe it's it's just an indication you're trusting, you're leaning on, you're resting in the wrong thing. And that your desire, your real heart's desire is for someone or something other than Christ. Maybe today would be a good day to kind of shift focus and at least say, all right, Lord, I I don't want to, I don't want to be leaning on or resting on or trusting in anything that is going to wash away. Because here's the thing. If you're not, I think Jonathan said it last week, if you're not in a difficult situation now, you will be. We all will be. And the real question is just going to come down to what is my trust in? And again, trust isn't, well, I know God is, God loves me. Or, or God can do all things or God's in control. That doesn't help me, really, unless it's real today. There's an active leaning on, resting, resting upon, trusting in today. Because it's not just about rules and regulations and laws. It's a dynamic growing, intimate love relationship. That's what it's all about. And in that relationship, he gives us peace. Our job, keep our mind on him and what's true about him. His part, he then gives us peace. We don't have to conjure up the peace. He gives the peace peace. We take responsibility for peace putting our trust in him, leaning on him, he gives the peace. If, if, that, if you have questions about that or even, okay, I know I should be in the Bible more, I, should, I would love to talk with you. Jonathan would love to talk with you. There's others in here would love to get together with you and just help you understand what that's all about and how to do that. Father, we, we are really prone to just go our own way. And we trust in so many things other than you. We trust in um, an election result. We trust in uh, our money. We, We trust in our employer. And ultimately, all those things let us down. They don't work, they wash away like a house on a beach. Lord, we thank you that you are the rock eternal. Your word is true. It draws us into a relationship with you and we can uh, we, we discover what life is really about, what you're really like, and the kind of relationship we can have with you. And so I pray for all of us that when we feel anxious or fearful or worried, that those would be like lights on the dashboard of our lives and it would just signal to us, okay, I'm I'm resting on I'm trusting in the wrong thing. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy. And you're always you're always willing to take us back even even when we've strayed a long way. In Jesus name. Amen.